Could I ask you to turn to the Gospel of John, and you'll find in the Pew Bible, John chapter 4 on page 1053. We're in John chapter 4, as we've been for a couple weeks, finishing up now the story of the woman at the well, Jesus meeting this woman at the well. And um, I think today you'll find some encouragement in the opportunities you have to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Will you join me in reading, just starting with verse 27, John 4, 27 to 42. That's page 1053 in the Pew Bible. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples Said to, one, said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say, Four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life. So the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe uh, just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and now we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, would you be with us during this time? Would you be with me as I speak? May I speak your words. Will you be with each of us as we hear? And may your word come to our hearts, renewing, strengthening, empowering, and showing us the glory of Jesus Christ and the privilege of being yours. It's in his name we pray. Amen. I've probably never told you about how I, uh, the, the, the most unusual job I ever had, I worked two summers on a pick-your-own-strawberry farm. Um, Ed was um, sort of a, a, a sullen guy sometimes. He, he could be downright grumpy. But uh, at the peak of strawberry season, on a June Saturday morning, he would just be glowing. You've got the, the families coming and and they've got their, their baskets filled with strawberries. The kids have strawberry juice on their faces. They only have to pay for what they have in the basket. 
And, uh, you know, he would just be smiling. You know, at the ladies coming, you know, carrying, you know, two baskets with each hand, just laden down, maybe trying to carry a, a fifth one in between their hands. And they're getting ready to do their canning. And uh, they would just love Ed for all the work he did. He had such a, a passion for growing strawberries. And he was so glad that he had the privilege of running this, this strawberry farm. And though the, the peak of strawberry harvest was the happiest time of all. Because God's harvest is such a privilege for us. God's harvesters should be glad as well. And so that's what uh, I find Jesus teaching his disciples uh, in this passage. So will will you just look with me, uh, starting with verse 27. And before we really get into what Jesus has to say to us, I just want us to look at the the first part of the the narrative here, picking up where, uh, in verse 27 where the disciples return from getting food. So the disciples come back with their food, and uh, they find the woman there, talk, Jesus talking to this Samaritan woman, and sort of out of deference or, or respect, you know, just sort of awkwardness, they don't ask anything. You know, and besides, they've got the food, and I think that's where their attention is. So they don't ask anything, and the woman, maybe out of awkwardness, you know, it's hard to continue the conversation. She doesn't say anything. But what happens in verse 28, something seemingly very insignificant, but I want you to focus on that. She leaves her water jar. And I just want you to look at the water jar for a minute. The woman is, one thing she's doing by leaving the water jar and going to town is she's giving Jesus a message. She can't say it out loud because the conversation has become awkward because there are all these guys around. But the water jar sitting there says, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. What you've said to me about the water of life has got me hooked. I'm interested. I have to hear more. You told me to go and call my husband. We had that whole conversation. I'm coming right back. Don't go anywhere. And so there's the water jar sitting there. The water jar sitting there says that uh, she has an errand. And it says that the errand that she is going to go on is more urgent than the errand that she came out on in the morning. Her, her trip to get water, her daily trip to get water, it's a very important part of our, our lives. It was an important part of her life. But she put it aside. She left her water jar. She left the well. She went back without water because she had something more urgent to do just then. Well, we'll come back to her, but I just want you to notice the water jar sitting there and realize that this woman has found something that's more satisfying to her than getting water. That she's found a satisfaction in the message of Jesus, and she's found an excitement and a satisfaction in telling others about Jesus that, that beats just the satisfaction of having her water. And it's the same excitement, the same gladness, the same satisfaction that uh, the disciples had when they first met Jesus. Because when uh, Andrew first met Jesus, the first thing he wanted to do was go and call his brother Peter. We, we read about this back in chapter 1. 
And then uh, one of the disciples, as, as soon as he heard about Jesus, he had to go and call Nathaniel. Philip went and called Nathaniel. And, uh, and he said, we've, we found the one that, that Moses talked about in the Old Testament, uh, Jesus of Nazareth. From Nazareth? He said, come and see. And now this woman goes into town, tells all the townspeople, I think he's the Messiah. I think he's the one that Moses talked about. And she said, come and see. So there's an excitement in telling about Jesus. And that's what this whole passage is going to be about. God's harvest is a privilege. God's harvesters should be glad. It's a privilege because it's satisfying. God's harvest is a privilege because it's so satisfying to be part of it. And this woman is finding great satisfaction in it. So you've got 13 hungry guys They've, uh, you know, they've come here. They've brought their food from town. Give me the knife. Give me the knife. Get your own knife. Well, you're cutting it the wrong way. You should cut it the long way. Oh, I got to cut it the way your mother cuts it? This way is perfectly good. It's faster. Nathaniel, you should cut it the long way. Okay, okay, I'm just about done. There, we can eat it. Next time, you can cut it your way, but just try it now. See if it isn't just as good. So everything's ready. It's time to eat. It's time to eat. Rabbi, come and eat. So Jesus, uh, Jesus has something he wants to convey to these guys. But you've got 13 hungry guys, and they've got their food. And it's like, how are you going to get a word in edgewise? But the, Jesus sees that this is a perfect opportunity for him to teach them. And so he does what he always does. He hijacks the conversation with a metaphor. So he puts out his hook. Verse 32. Jesus, he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And then he just leaves it there. So they're all getting their food and everything. He said he has food to eat that we... Really? Is it better than these Samaritan burgers? I mean, these are pretty good. Is there any left? How did he get food? Who brought him food? And so, you know, they're, they're kind of curious. They're talking about it. And uh, when they get interested enough, he says, verse 34, what his food is. And here it becomes profound. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So there it is. The, The disciples are looking for satisfaction for their intense hunger. They're looking for the pleasure of having that hunger satisfied through their food. And Jesus says, I have had an intense hunger, and I am experiencing the pleasure of having it satisfied through doing the work of God. So it's, it's something profound. Of course, Jesus always taking a, a physical thing and then illustrating a spiritual reality for us. So it's so satisfying to do the work of God So Jesus is saying that we get satisfaction, this spiritual satisfaction, not from eating, not from consuming, but from doing and from serving. That we get this satisfaction by pleasing God. This spiritual satisfaction comes in a relationship with God. It comes from doing God's work, doing God's will. 
And it's the satisfaction that Jesus enjoys. But the reason he's talking about it to his disciples is because he wants to share his food with them. They're trying to share their food with him. And he says, no, 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 you guys, I've got the good stuff. It's better than Samaritan burgers. It really is. And uh, you guys need it. Same thing he said to the woman. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is standing here asking for a drink, you would ask him, and he would give you water of life. Now he's telling the disciples, they're trying to give him food, and he says, no, 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 no. I've got the real stuff. You need what I've got. This is your food. My satisfaction and my delight should be your delight. And it is your delight. And just get ready to enjoy it. So uh, Jesus is is telling them that they're the ones who are going to go out and the sower and the reaper are going to be glad together, verse 38. And uh, just as, uh, as the Father sent me, so send I you, John 20, 21. They're going to have the same joy he has. So leave your jar and get something better. Bridget's legs swell up so badly whenever she rides on a bus. And uh, the the folks at the missions committee at her church in Nairobi, Kenya, last spring, they told her, do you want to go on a, a medical mission trip out to the coast Uh, and work with our missionary that we support out there, reaching out to the unreached, aware people in June with these people from South Shore Baptist Church. Uh, Bridget uh, heard about this opportunity to, to go out and do a medical mission trip with us last summer, and she said, any chance I have to go out and, and work with my aware people, I'm going to take it. And so she also recruited another lady, Martha. And the two of them, they, they got on the bus. Uh, you know, we, 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 visitors from America, we flew on the plane down to Lamu. But she got on the bus with Martha, and they took that grueling bus ride all the way to Mombasa. And then they got on the other bus, that's even more grueling, all the way up the coast to Lamu. And uh, they were there a day ahead of us, and they got things started. And uh, they were so happy to work with us. It was a great time working with this, these two nurses doing this medical outreach among this underserved people. Don't have the gospel. There's no gospel witness among them. And uh, it, was, it was a great week, a, a tough week. Got to the end of the week and no real, real chances to really share the gospel. We were there to do medical outreach. And these people, it's, it's just, they're just not quite at the place where you can just freely talk about Jesus and, and share the gospel and everything. It's, uh, it's kind of tight. But uh, we were just packing everything up or putting everything away at the end of the week. We're all exhausted, um, trying to make the report and, and just wrap things up, put the drugs back in order in the boxes. And patients find out that we're in the, in the missionary's house and they're coming and they're coming, and they want treatment. And so the last person we saw at the end of the day, we're all tired, and she's got these terrible ulcers on her legs. And uh, this was a lady 
who was known to the family, and she had heard the gospel a number of times. But we were trying to help her with, with her medical problem. But one of these ladies, uh, it was Martha, wanted to share the gospel with her. And so we're, we're th- concentrating on putting everything away, and Martha starts in. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Well, I've heard about it. I, I'm, I'm kind of a Christian, yeah. No, 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 no. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? And she goes into it, and she leads the lady to Christ, and the lady responds to the gospel. And uh, it was such a joy to end that trip with at least one, one person hearing the gospel and coming to faith in Christ, even though she wasn't one of the aware people. It's such a delight to share the gospel. Leave your jar and, and find something better, uh, some excitement, some joy of sharing the gospel. There are some who want to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. That's uh, C.T. Studd said that. Well, God's harvest is a privilege because it satisfies. It's so satisfying to be part of it. It's such a joy to share the gospel. God's harvest is a privilege because it's near. It's right here. It's not like being given, you know, title to 50 acres of land in the middle of the Sahara Desert. You can only get there by a camel caravan. It's not like being given 50 acres of land in the middle of the South Pole. You can only get there by, uh, by donkey sled. At least it's, it's cool. It never gets hot. Um, uh, you can only get there by dog sled. No, 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 no. This is a privilege that's right here. It's accessible. It's right around you right now. Uh, the harvest of God. And uh, the thing is, sometimes we don't see it. We don't realize it when it's staring us in the face. But uh, this is what Jesus has to point out to his disciples. He has to tell them to open their eyes, to lift up their eyes, and to look and see the harvest. So look at verse 35 and 36. We're in chapter 4, 35 and 36. And Jesus says, Do you not say... Four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. So there's more language here about the satisfaction, the drawing of wages, and the being glad together. Yes, the harvest is satisfying, but there's something else here about how the harvest is right in front of you. And of all places, in Samaria. So Samaria was an unlikely place to find the harvest of God. Because Samaritans were people who who compromised in matters of religion. They wanted to follow God and they wanted to follow their own ways. They wanted to follow the Lord and they also wanted to follow their idols. They wanted to have a bit of a mix. They wanted to to do it all both ways. Uh, But even, even in an unlikely place, the harvest can be there. Even in New England. Even where people seem cold. They don't seem responsive. But the harvest can be right in front of us. Um, Small numbers doesn't mean that there isn't a great harvest. 
uh, how do we measure the value of what's harvested? Maybe we think there need to be 10 trillion uh, you know, people coming, but maybe a few are of great value in God's sight. And the good shepherd goes after the one lost sheep and brings him back rejoicing. So even if it's small numbers, it's God's harvest and it's right in front of you. Uh, Even if there's opposition, you know, in Samaria, Jews were not always welcome, especially Jews traveling through. There's a place in the Gospels where they're on their way to Jerusalem and they pass through a Samaritan village and the village won't welcome them because they're on their way to Jerusalem. And so there's some, some hostility that people could encounter in Samaria. And so you wouldn't think it would be a great place to bring the message of salvation, the message of the Messiah. But even in a place like that, Jesus says, look, the harvest is right here, right now. Some of us, you know, we we focus so much on relationships that we let the, the harvest slip by. Some of us need to focus more on relationships in, in the way that we share the gospel. In our participation in the harvest, we, we just want to give out the words. We just want to speak. And some of us need to focus more on building relationships and setting an example. But uh, I think most of us need the encouragement to speak. You know, we, we, uh, there, there's the, the fellow who... Um, he found out that his, his friend was a Christian. He said, oh, you're a Christian. I didn't know you were a Christian. I saw you're such a peaceful, ethical person. I thought you were a Buddhist or you're into New Age or something. Uh, so we, we have to speak. We have to use words. We have to tell uh, what it is that we believe. But whether you are needing to focus more on the relationships or you're needing to focus more on speaking We all need to realize that the harvest is right before us. We all need to be encouraged that God is at work in people's lives, that the Holy Spirit can work in transforming and using people, that words that we say now, which seem to just go like water off a duck's back, God may actually use in someone's life. Uh, Next to me in the pickup truck, going down the, the three-mile road from the school where I worked in Uganda uh, down to the main road, which led to the, uh, the, the main city, Kampala. Next to me in the pickup truck was uh, my fellow uh, missionary, a Ugandan uh, national who I worked with. And um, so I was taking him back down to the town so he could get transport up to where his post was. And next to him was a clerk at the school where I was working, a clerk that I had known for about a year, and I was trying to build a relationship, and I was looking forward to you know, being able to share the gospel, and I'm trying to build credibility and you know, kind of work on, on how things are going to pan out with some evangelism with this fellow. So we all climb into the pickup truck. We start down. By the time we reach the main road, this Ugandan missionary next to me has gone further with, with sharing the gospel than, than I don't think I would have done in a year. Uh, immediately, you know, they make some small talk, and he says, so are you saved? And the guy says, well, um, I, I'm, I'm a Christian. He says, well, do you know Jesus as your Savior? 
Well, um, no. Well, can I tell you a little bit about that? Um, I've got a little booklet here. He pulls out his four spiritual laws, and he starts going through with the guy. And the guy's all interested. And the guy's very responsive and very intrigued. And God was beginning to work in his life. Man, it, it was one of those occasions. I've had several of those occasions when I just realized I'm sitting here waiting four months until the harvest comes, and the reaper is already in there doing the work. And what's, what's so slow with me? So be gracious, be kind, be a good example, and use words. Don't go into the harvest just barehanded, but bring your tools. You've got to speak. Uh, be like that, the office worker I know, who, who knows who it is in the office who is open to the gospel and continues keeping those conversations alive and uh, continues to be available and to offer to pray for people. Uh, like, be like that utility worker I know. Uh, he, he finds himself entering people's homes, people in his, in his position. They, they, they talk to people when something serious has happened or something serious might happen, and sometimes people want to talk about things. And so he has conversations with people, and, uh, and he looks for those those conversations where someone is ready to talk about spiritual things. Be like this student I know who, uh, who speaks up in a secular school about his faith and who looks for opportunities to, to uh, interact about what he believes about some of the ideas that are talked about. And he gets to know other students and he's connecting with students and he, and he told me, the fields are white it's unbelievable how responsive people are. Be like the medical patient who's there and the people are treating him and asking how he's doing and want to know, you know how he's coping and he opens right up and shares. So they're a captive audience. They're right there wanting to hear, how, how are you dealing with this? How are you handling this? So don't wait the four months. Start now. God's harvest is a privilege because it's satisfying. And God's harvest is a privilege because it's here now. You have the opportunity right now. And lastly, God's harvest is a privilege because it's costly. And it costs so much to prepare it all for us. Others have done the hard work. Look at verses uh, 30. 7 and 38. Um, uh, Thus, the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. So one sows and gets everything already. Someone else comes and just reaps. They, they take in all the benefits of someone else's work. Uh, in July 1969, the l- lunar uh, landing module Eagle landed in the Sea of Tranquility. Uh, transmission came back to Houston. Houston, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. And uh, so Buzz Aldrin and Neil, uh, Neil Armstrong were there on the surface of the moon. And Neil Armstrong was very aware of the tremendous privilege he had 
of, of being the person who actually stepped onto the surface of the moon when it was a massive team, a huge uh, effort of so many people that, that were working and had worked even for generations to prepare the way and to enable him to do that. And so when he stepped down, he said, that's one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. And that's how it is when you share the gospel. Because work has been done for generations to enable this person to hear the good news. So much has gone into your forming and your preparation. So much has gone into culture all around and in ways that nobody can trace out. And you just get to go up to somebody and talk to them and maybe plant another seed. Maybe, uh, you know, encourage them along a little bit. Maybe water the seed someone else planted and maybe just step in and be there for the harvest. Um, do you, uh, lo- look at what the, the disciples were enabled to do. They, they were um, incredibly blessed with just fields that were all ready for harvest. So in Acts chapter 2, Peter stands up and preaches his first sermon uh, after, at that Pentecost uh, festival. Acts chapter 2, 41 to 47, it says, Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Just uh, so amazing how God had prepared everything for these apostles. And they just stepped in. All the work of the prophets, all the work of all the Old Testament, it had all been prepared. Everything was done for them. What about today? Um, Maybe we feel that this isn't the same kind of day that the apostles enjoyed. You know, things have come and things have gone and this has become a very bad day, that the, the harvest is not ready, that uh, too many bad things have, have gone on, the field is ruined, and, uh, and bad things are growing, and there's no harvest for us. I don't know. There, there has been a huge history, generations of people who have been examples of faith, examples of prayer, heroes of labor, and they've gone before us, and they've blazed a path for us that we follow. They've done tremendous work. Even as harvesting has taken place, work has been done. You know, it wasn't easy for those first disciples. Uh, In the world at that time, there were 360 people for every one practicing Christian. After another 1,000 years, it was about 270 
people in the world for every one practicing Christian. Uh, after, by, by the year 1900, it was 21 people in the world for every practicing Christian. Now it's about seven people in the world for every practicing Christian. Progress has been made. And this is a great time to be in the harvest. And we have tremendous opportunities now, like never before. But anyway, whatever the situation around us, God is still God. And he still sends his people. And so he is able to bring the harvest to ripeness and to bring the harvest into his uh, store. So let's be encouraged. So let's carry the harvest to Hull, to Braintree, to uh, Foxborough, to Worcester. Let's plant churches. This is part of our vision as a church. Uh, let's be praying about this. Let's get our hearts ready for that next future step of, of, uh, of growth and of outreach that we'll be engaging in together as a church. Let's uh, carry the harvest onto Central Asia, onto uh, Africa, onto postmodern Europe, where we have partners who are spreading the gospel, who are planting churches even today. The baton has come all the way around, all the way around the track. It's been passed to us. Let's take it and let's run with it. The harvest is here. It's, it's been costly to get this far. And what a privilege it is to take it the next step. So you're here and uh, you're not a committed follower of Jesus Christ. And you're present here today. Maybe you were brought by your friend or your loved one. And you're hearing this whole message about missions and evangelism. And you're wondering, you know, what does this have to do with me? Let me suggest some ways that you can take this message uh, and have some profit from it as well. You're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. There are so many people here who are testifying to the joy of knowing Jesus Christ. And it's such a joy that we want to share Christ with others. You know, it's a joy for me to share with you. Um, if you receive Christ, you'll experience this joy. You'll share this joy yourself. Um, let me encourage you to come this evening for the, the baptisms and testimonies. And, and hear the joy, experience the joy. See it in people's faces, hear it in their voices. And I can't really pass by this topic of the cost that was paid to bring the harvest to its present point without mentioning that Christ is the one who paid our debt. He is the one who put himself in between God's wrath, and your sins so that you could be in Christ, you could be beloved in Christ, that you could be free to walk with God and to know God. Well, here's the end of the story. She left her water jar, but look in verse 39. 
as she went back to the town and she told them. And they started to come. It says in verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Can you imagine such an unlikely outcome? Many believed. And uh, then it says, when the Samaritans came to him, verse 40, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. Can you imagine a cultural change, a social change in this town? Just, just like that. Then uh, verse 41, and because of his words, many more became believers. A spiritual change. Verse 42, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. They believed because Christ was among them and there was a spiritual breakthrough. Leave your water jar. Let's pray. Father, be with us. Help us to treasure the things that you have called us for and sent us for. Help us to delight in the opportunity to be part of your harvest. Give us strength and courage to speak when we need to speak. Give us love for those around us who don't know Christ. And Father, give us a great sense of gratitude that we can be the ones who speak the name of Jesus to someone who hasn't understood or who hasn't heard. Fill us with gratitude. In Jesus' name, amen.